Open your Bibles this morning to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. I said a couple of days ago that as we are peering into the good news, as we're breaking down, as we're inspecting, as we're studying the good news of the gospel, we are seeing God. And really, that is what is happening. Uh, we are looking at the gospel, but we're seeing God's goodness. We're looking at the gospel, but we're seeing God's compassion, his power. We're looking closely at the gospel, but we're seeing his wisdom. We're seeing his heart. And it is a great blessing to see how great and how marvelous our God is. And I'll tell you the greatest thing for me that has come out of these consistent days of study is seeing our God, knowing our God. Because here's the result. The more we know him, the more we will love him. And without fail, I believe that is what happens. The more we know him, the more we see him, the more that we love him. This series, our 100-day series, is called So Loved. Well, I want to tell you this morning, wouldn't it be awesome if the fruit of the 100-day series was that he was so loved by us that we grew and we grew and we grew and we grew and we thought it was going to be about us, but it ended up being about him and that the fruit of it is that he would be so loved by us. Well, that's what happens when we see who he is through his gospel. Today, we're going to continue our marvelous march through his good news, through his gospel. Today, we continue in the awesome chapter that we've been in, chapter 3. Tonight, we, today, we are in John chapter 3, verses 17 through 21. Our message is entitled, The Peril of Unbelief. The Peril of Unbelief. John chapter 3, verses 17 through 21. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come, we're thankful for this day, this Lord's day. We're thankful for the opportunity to gather today as your people. We're thankful for the opportunity to sing your praises, to, to lift up your name. Lord, we're thankful for your word that, that you speak to us through it. And now I, I pray on this morning again that you would speak to us, that it would truly be a, a supernatural event, that it would not be normal, it would not be mundane, it would be not a day that we check off and move into something else. But I pray, Lord, that we would hear from you today, that you would speak through your word. And Lord, I pray the result will be your name will be lifted up. I pray the result is that you be glorified. 
I pray the result is your people will be trained and equipped for the mission you've given us. And I pray the result will be that some and maybe many, Lord, that do not know you in the hearing of a Savior would trust you today for their salvation. Lord, we ask that you would move. We ask that you would work. We pray that it would be for your glory. We know it will be. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, remember where we're at this morning. All of these uh, consecutive days, it may be easy to lose our bearing. Uh, We're in John chapter 3. Now, remember at the point we're at, Nicodemus has approached Jesus at night. He is a Pharisee. He is a, a ruler of the Jews on the ruling council. He is a leading teacher of the nation. And so he has clout. He has status. He has really the highest of positions. And yet evidently it is not enough. Evidently that hasn't given Nicodemus true peace. Evidently it hasn't given him true hope or he hasn't found the answer that he is seeking. And so he has come to Jesus to find out really simply who Jesus is. Now, understand there are all kinds of rumors going around. There's all type of talk going around Jerusalem, and and some are saying maybe he is a prophet, maybe he is a great teacher with something to say. Some others are saying maybe even he is the Messiah. And so Nicodemus comes to investigate. He comes to check it out for himself. Well, from there in John chapter 3, we find this great revelation of God's plan of salvation. We, We see the revelation of the means of God's salvation. We see the Savior that will provide that salvation. And it is our gospel laid out by Jesus himself. Now, I want you to understand that's a wild thing. That's a tremendous thing. It is the gospel presented by the good news himself, presented by Jesus himself. Now, think about that for just a second. Just that is a big deal. Just that is worth noting. Now, I want you to see this. Jesus wants Nicodemus to know. And I read this account and the fact that he stays there and has this this conversation He wants Nicodemus to know. He wants Nicodemus to hear, and he wants him to understand what he's hearing. He wants to to embrace the truth, and he he wants him to know. He doesn't want to crush a Pharisee as much as you hear about him. He doesn't come and say, you know what, I'm I'm going to embarrass this teacher of the Jews. He doesn't want to play games with him. He's not there to have some some mental intellectual exercise where he'll say something and Nicodemus will, will say something back. He's not there playing games. He loves Nicodemus, and so he wants Nicodemus to know. And so in these verses, Jesus is explaining what it means to see the kingdom of God, to be saved. He loves Nicodemus. Do you know that is still our Savior? Do you know that he still wants us to know? Do you know he still, he hasn't changed. He still wants people to know. He goes to great lengths to deliver the message, the good news through his word. He goes to great lengths to make it available, to make it understandable. Jesus still wants us to know. I love that. I love that. He is gracious. He is kind. He still wants people to know. 
Well, today we're going to keep moving in Jesus' response to Nicodemus. We just finished last night, and boy, it was awesome. We just finished verse 16, and then we're going to move forward from there. I'm going to go back and read verse 16 again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. All right, now moving to verse 17. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Listen to verse 17 again. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. In verse 17, Jesus is making a very important point. And it's a point that Nicodemus needed to understand. It's a point that we need to understand as well. The point is, his purpose is to save. Therefore, his mission is to save. And that's the point he's making. His his purpose, Jesus, he came to save. And therefore, his mission is to save. Do you want to know what God's love has motivated It has motivated a saving mission. For God so loved the world. Well, his his great love has motivated a saving mission. Jesus came to save. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That is the reason that he has come. That is his purpose. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. A great truth of our good news is that God desires all people to be saved. That's a big piece of our gospel. That's a big piece of our good news. He desires all people to be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says, God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. It means God wants all people to hear the message. He wants them to receive the message in faith and to be saved. That is the biblical truth of our gospel. It is why we have this recorded discourse in John chapter 3. That's why we have it. It's why he's there in the middle of the night talking to Nicodemus. It is why he came. He wants all people to hear and to receive in faith and in receiving be saved. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness. What's taking so long? But is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish. Remember last night, the word perish means to come to ruin, eventually to eternal ruin. Not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God's word says that God is patient, that he is forbearing. And honestly, the reason he hasn't come back yet is that so more people would be saved. He doesn't want any to perish. That is his word. That is his testimony. That is his heart. Listen to me. That has not changed. That has always been his heart. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23 in the Old Testament. Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked? 
Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, rather than he should turn from his ways and live? Get this today. Hear this. His gospel reveals his heart. His gospel reveals his heart, and his heart is revealed in his gospel. His heart is revealed in his gospel. Listen to that. Watch that as it goes full circle. You want to know the heart of God? Look at his gospel. You want to know if he's compassionate, if he's kind? Look at his gospel. His gospel reveals his heart, and his heart is revealed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. He is just. He upholds justice. Yes, he does. Look at the cross. But friend, we can be sure today it is not in conflict to say the heart of God is love and the outflow of God's heart is grace. And so the mission of Jesus is to save. He is on a saving mission. In these last days, we better be sure of that. We can't get sidetracked in these last days. As the time is urgent, as time grows short, we better be sure of that. Jesus came to save. Jesus is on a saving mission, and his desire is that all people would hear, all people would receive in faith, and all people would be saved. Jesus is on a saving mission. Today, he's called us into his mission. As the church, as believers, he's called us into that same mission. All right, verse 18. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 18 just lays it out. Here's the issue. Here's the issue, verse 18. The issue is Jesus. You see how simple that is? The issue is Jesus. God says, Jesus says in his word, if, if you trust Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, you're not judged, but rather you're saved. But if you do not believe in Jesus, if you have not trusted Jesus, you are judged already. That is the truth. The issue is Jesus. Sometimes we act like there is a coming judgment to see where we're going to fall. Maybe you see those cartoons and there's the judgment, and there's a set of scales and there's a, a coming judgment and it's going it's to see how it's going to go, see how it turns out. Well, I want you to listen very carefully today, friend. If you are denying Jesus, you are judged already. You are deemed guilty right now. I don't want to be guilty right now. If you're denying Jesus, you are in your guilt, guilty right now. You stand in your sin right now, judged right now. Now, I'll tell you, there's a final sentencing that's coming. But in your sin, you're judged already, and you are guilty I'm trying to do some good things. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to shape up. Listen, if you haven't trusted Jesus, the issue is Jesus. You are guilty. The issue is Jesus. Listen, do you know that's why the world wants to distort Jesus? I see these guys and they're riding around town on their bikes and they look good and they'll work in your yard if you want them to. 
Do you know what they want to do? They want to distort Jesus. That's what the world wants to do. Do you know that's why the world wants you to miss the truth of Jesus? Maybe you get so busy, maybe you're too smart for it. It doesn't matter, but whatever the reason, the world wants you to miss Jesus. Do you know that's why the culture of the world wants you to think today it is too simplistic? It's got to be bigger than that. It is too superstitious. That's outdated. It is too ignorant to preach Jesus. Listen, they'll take anything but the preaching of Jesus. It is because there's only one issue. And the issue is, what do you believe of Jesus? This goes back to that Old Testament example that Jesus told Nicodemus. Remember that from a couple nights ago. This goes back to that example from Numbers chapter 21. And there in the camp of Israel, they are bit by the snake, by the snakes, and they are dying in God's judgment. And remember the account, God gives the remedy. He tells Moses, if you fashion this symbol of a snake and you hold it up on a great standard, on a great pole, those that will look at that will be saved. They will not die. The remedy is to save them from God's judgment. God gives them the remedy, and the remedy is to save them from certain death. Now listen, they can look to the remedy in faith. They can say, I take God at his word. I trust what God has said. I trust this is his remedy. I trust that it is powerful enough to save me. They can look to the remedy, and that is faith, or they cannot look to the remedy for whatever reason in unbelief. I want you to notice in that account, God doesn't make them. He doesn't make them look at it. In his grace, he gives the remedy. And they can respond in faith, or in belief, or they can respond in unbelief. And it doesn't make God any less gracious, and it doesn't make God any less powerful. Listen. That is the perfect picture of our gospel. God's judgment is deserved. You earned it and I earned it in sin. God's judgment, he hasn't messed around and minced words with us. He told us it is sure and it is certain it is death for the wages of sin is death. He's told us the punishment is death. And in the same way, the remedy for that death is held up, is proclaimed to us in Jesus Christ. The remedy is Jesus. And either you respond in faith and you live, or you respond for whatever reason in unbelief and you suffer the consequence of death. And I want to tell you today, God is no less powerful either way. He's no less gracious either way. He gave us the way to live. It all comes down to Jesus. If I didn't have 85 or so nights, 84 nights left, I'd preach more on that, but I got to keep going. It all comes down to Jesus. It all comes down to Jesus. That's too simple. That's outdated. That's superstitious. Don't be fooled. Listen, it all comes down to Jesus. Verse 19. This is judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. The judgment is we do not respond in faith. Jesus says the light, Jesus talking about himself, the light 
has come into the world on a saving mission. The light shines in the darkness. It is not hidden. The light is held up in the gospel of Jesus. The light, the way is provided. But it says men love the darkness more. Men love darkness instead. Why don't people receive Jesus? Why don't people turn to Jesus? Why don't, why don't people walk with Jesus? And I wonder sometimes why is that so hard? I, I really can't understand. Someone tells you the good news of Jesus, that's a no-brainer. That's, that's simple. You can be forgiven of your sin, renewed, restored, made right with God, have eternal life. That's easy. Why do people reject Jesus? Let me tell you, I've built theories about that. Why would you not receive Jesus? Well, here's the news flash. The reason is we like sin. That's the simple reason. I could give you a bunch of things. I could craft some intellectual answer. The truth of the matter is people don't receive Jesus because we like sin. We can accept sin. It's fine with us. We can explain sin. We got all the reasons for it. But the bottom line is we like sin. We run to sin. Left alone, we'll go back to sin. Do you know how dumb that is? That is dumb. If every time I open the door, you punch me in the nose, well, they had a bad day. They had a bad day. That's okay. And I come back tomorrow, and I open the door, and you punch me in the nose. And it's sore from yesterday. I don't know. I, I may not come back tomorrow, but they're my, they're my friend. I, I'm going to come back. And I, I come back the third day, and I knock on the door, and I open the door, and I move, and then I sit back, bow. You hit me in the nose. You know what's going to happen eventually? I'm not knocking on the door. I'm not coming to your door. If every time I open the door, I get punched in the nose, I'm not opening the door. Well, I don't tell you, with sin, we don't learn. With sin, we come, and if the door's shut, we stick our face, we stick our nose in the window. Do you know how dumb that is? We like sin. We like sin. Listen to verse 19 again. This is judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. Hard, hard line to end the verse with. Their deeds are evil. We, had, we need to get real right here. And we need to be honest right here. Do you know anything not in God's plan, not in God's will, not in line with his word, not in line with the leading of God, anything out of that is evil. It is evil. And we get used to saying, well, it's not that big of a deal. Well, I can explain that. Well, you don't know how I was raised. You don't know what situation I found myself in. Anything out of that is evil. Lying is evil. Jealousy is evil. Gossip and slander, it is evil. Laziness, the Bible says, is evil. Hatred, prejudice, division. We could go on and on and on. It is evil. It's not okay. It's not kind of okay. It's not not that bad. It is evil. We don't like to say it, but our sins are evil. That's what Jesus says. Verse 20, for everyone who does evil hates the light. He's just honest. 
and does not come to light for fear, here's the bottom line, that his deeds will be exposed. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. People hate the light. The light is Jesus. Notice today, 2021, how people hate Jesus. And I, and I watch the absurdity of our day. You can come out and say anything. You can say the biggest bunch of nonsense. You can, you can say any, any crazy thing, and people will tolerate that. And they'll say, well, that's your truth. And that, it's not my truth, but I'm glad you found your truth. And you can say almost anything, and it's fine. Somebody will defend it. But the second you bring up Jesus, they hate it. They hate it. Go to the public square and say, let me tell you, we need to run this, this government according to Jesus. They're going to hate it. You know what? We ought to do something different because it doesn't line up with the words of Jesus. They're going to hate it. Well, where's our hope? Where's our hope in the economy? Where's our hope in the pandemic? It is Jesus. Oh, we hate it. Why? Why do people hate the light? Why do they not embrace Jesus? Here's why. The light exposes darkness. The light exposes sin. And we just saw that we love sin. Hear me today. Here's what can't coexist. Sin and Jesus. Can't coexist. And that's, that's the bottom line. Sin and Jesus, not anywhere, they can't coexist. Not in your life. Sin and Jesus can't coexist in your life. They cannot coexist. It will not work. It will not fit. It will not feel right. And so one of them is going to have to go. Now, here's what I see a lot of the time. One of them is going to have to go. So the one that has to go is Jesus because we love our sin. And I, I, I'll just tell you, watch, folks. When somebody stops reading their Bible, it's because they're not interested in being exposed by the light. And they stop praying. They stop going to church. I don't, I don't want to go to church. They stop going to church. You watch. They're getting farther and farther away from the light. They can't listen to that preacher. Sounds like he's always talking to me. That's what they say. They don't, want to, they don't want to see the light. They stop fellowshipping with believers. We'd rather hang around somewhere else with a bunch of other guys that aren't going to say anything about the sins that they love and I love. The light exposes the darkness. It reveals it. It is what Jesus does. But stay with me. Verse 21. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested, made known as having been wrought in God. Now, I love verse 21. Practice the truth. The one that embraces the truth walks in the truth. They will come to the light. Now, I want you to listen and stay with me. This is important. God doesn't reveal our sin. Christ doesn't reveal our sin to crush us. He doesn't reveal our sin to smash us. He doesn't reveal our sin to condemn us. We are already condemned is what he just said in his word. 
He doesn't come and say, I want to point out your sin to show you how sorry you are, to show you how hopeless you are, to show you the mess you've made. And if you don't know it already, I want to bring it up and remind you of it again. He doesn't do that. He is on a saving mission. And so listen to me. He reveals our sin. And he says to us, you know what? That's not best. He says to us, that's not helping you. Look how it's hurting you. It's not helping the others around you. He says, this is hurting you. Let me, let me bring it to the light. He's not coming to, to heap guilt on top of us, but he's coming to forgive our sin, to take our guilt away, to empower us to leave that sin, to take away the shame that keeps us up at night. He wants to help us deal with that. He wants to give us his righteousness. He wants to make us right with God. And so he comes and he reveals our sin, not to crush us, not to smash us, but that he might take care of our sin. I have a remedy for it. I am on a saving mission. Do you see how good that is? Our God is quick to forgive. He's never rejected a repentant person. He's faithful to forgive. First John 1, 9, he's never said, no, yours is too big. Yours is too bad. I got something against you. He is faithful to forgive. He is gracious to sinners. He loves us. He has the best for us. And he paid for it in his very own blood. It's not a punishment to walk with him. It's not a hardship to leave your sin. It's the best thing. He's gracious to us. He is on a saving Mission. Twenty-one verses. He's talked to Nicodemus. And it ends as it starts in his grace. Come to the light. I've got your remedy. It's not in you. It's not what you thought it was. It's the truth. It's better than that. Your hope is in me, Nicodemus, not in works, not in rules, not in religion, not in self, not a position. Listen, Nicodemus, I love you. I have better for you. I'll forgive your sin. Your hope is in me. 21 verses. And at the end of them, I don't know exactly what point. Nicodemus the Pharisee. Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, the teacher of Israel. Most unlikely of people trust Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He is on a saving mission. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. I'm thankful that we see your heart in your gospel, that you're not here to smash us. You're not here to laugh at us. You're not here to bring it back up and poke fun at us, but you're here to remedy it. You see the hurt of our hearts. You see the hurt and the pain of our lives. You see what we've earned in sin. We see a, a judgment coming. And you give us a way to be saved from that judgment, to be saved from death. 
Except this time it wasn't a, a symbol fashioned, it was a Savior that came. But became man, that he would hurt, that he could be abused, that he would be rejected, that he would be nailed to a cross, that he would carry the sin of people in flesh and skin, and that our remedy would be in you. And that in the same act of power and the same act of grace, but now in the risen Savior Jesus, if we will look to the remedy, whoever we are, wherever we are, whatever we are, you will save. Lord, we're so thankful you're on a saving mission. Lord, I pray as we conclude this service, I pray as we're considering these words, these verses, your truth, your words, I pray for some that do not know you. I pray for some that are still under the stain, the guilt of their sin, still trying to make a way on their own in some other system, still trying to numb themselves to it, to bury it somehow. I pray that today they would hear there is grace and a remedy in Jesus. Lord, I pray that you stir in their heart that these words grab them and they would turn to you today. And I pray for us here in this church, this room, I, I pray a couple things. I pray first off that as we come here as sinners, each of us, that we take hope today, that we find peace today, we set down guilt and shame today, that we leave basking, reveling in the forgiveness of our Savior. I pray, Lord, that's how we leave here. And I pray that also in that light and in that understanding that we would be agents of that good news as just this week we see again and again and again People are suffering, perishing in their sin. Lord, help us to be agents, ambassadors of that truth. Lord, I pray that you move in this time of response. I pray that you move freely in this time of invitation. And I pray that the result is you're known and you're greatly glorified. We thank you, we love you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I wanna tell you this, if you're here today and you understand your sin, and you feel the weight of your sin. And the preaching of God's word, the words of Christ have, have made you heavy in your sin. I want to tell you that's the grace of God because he's pointing you to the remedy in him. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you, turn to him. Trust him. Trust him with your sin. Trust him with your salvation. He will forgive you. He will save you. If you've never trusted Jesus, turn to Jesus. Claim him as your Lord, as your Savior. Trust Jesus today. The issue is Jesus. If you're here and you've made that decision, but you've never fought a believer's baptism, you come as this one did this morning. And what a great testimony it'll be to what we believe of Christ. We'll do it in obedience to Christ, but we'll also do it for his glory, for his name's sake. Maybe you're here looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. Together we'll serve for his glory, his name's sake until he comes again. Maybe you want to come and, and pray here at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one stir about, no one head for an exit. will be done in just a few moments. This truly is the most important time of our day, this day, the time to respond to the truth of God's word, God's call. If you have a decision to make as we stand up, you step out and you come on, I'll meet you here. You come on, I'll meet you here.